Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32. And uh, if you don't have your Bible, just look on the screen, follow along with us. And I pray that the hand of God would just move mightily. I don't believe the Lord's done today. And so if we'll just let his spirit speak to us. Deuteronomy chapter 32, and I'm going to begin reading with verse number 10. The Bible says, He found him in a desert and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As the eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. And he made him ride upon the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock, butter of the kine and milk of the sheep, with fat of the lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats and the fats of the fat of the kidneys of wheat, and thou didst drink pure blood of the grape. But Jezuron waxed fat, verse 15 says, and kicked. Thou art waxen fat. Thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him and lightly esteemed the God of his salvation. Now, I realized that our reading was kind of going in one direction until we got to verse 15. And there just seems to be a completely different shift in the, in the writing. But Jezuron waxed fat and kicked, and talking about all the things that the Lord had done previous to this. Your waxen fat, grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. And with the help of the Lord, I want to preach from this thought that may make a little more sense in just a moment. I want to preach to you about the upright one. The upright one. Amen. And you can be seated. God bless you and thank you for your attentiveness and worship and, and the word already today. Jeshurun, the Bible says, waxed fat. You know, nicknames are not an uncommon thing. They exist not only in, um, in families, but they exist perhaps on jobs in different places where we may develop relationships. Um, I don't think dick nicknames are intentionally derived to be cynical or uh, to be disrespectful, but often nicknames are used as a sign of affection. 
And uh, at the base root, perhaps, of most nicknames, it's a sign of relationship. Whatever relationship you may have with a person, uh, that may be what you refer to that individual as. It's not uncommon for, for loved ones, for families to have nicknames for people that are related to them. And often those nicknames, not always, but often those nicknames reflect something unique about that person. I've seen families that used nicknames with such skill and they used them so seamlessly and until you could be around them and you didn't even realize the person they're referring to unless their nickname is something way off base that that's not even really their given name. I mean, this, they just are so common and it's so casual and it's, and it's attached. And that's the culture for some families and uh, some people. But they're not alone in that because God used what I'm going to refer to as nicknames as well. If you think about Jacob, Jacob was, after the encounter with the angel, he was renamed and he was called Israel from that moment forward. When we think about God's own elect, we, we may refer to them as the children of Israel, but the Lord referred to them as different things, different times, reflecting a relationship perhaps that he had with them. He referred to them as Ephraim from time to time. Then at other times, we hear them referred to as Zion. And of course, you probably have a few names that you could insert there that, that the Lord referred to his elect as. But he also had another name which he called them, and that was the name that we use in our text here, or find in our text, and that's Jeshurun. Jeshurun. Jeshurun means righteous one or upright one or even it means beloved one. So here is this righteous, righteous, upright, and beloved one. It was the name Jeshurun for the Lord to the children of Israel was a name of endearment. He was not being condescending. It was not being cynical, but it was a name of endearment from God to his people. As a matter of fact, it was a very honorable name, a name of the highest esteem. However, this word is only found three times in the entire word of God. The first time we read the name Jeshurun is here in Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32 is what is referred to as, as the second song of Moses. The second song of Moses. I know we more think about David as being the one singing songs or psalms as we refer to them in David. But this is referred to as the second song of Moses. The first song of Moses is found in Exodus 15. And so in fact it is as though Moses is singing a sermon song for the children of Israel. And uh, maybe it's not in the context of what we may think of as singing or a song. But nevertheless, it is Moses conveying to the children of Israel the heartbeat, the voice of God. This chapter, Exodus, or rather Deuteronomy 32, if we could, if we could put this into more modern terminology, we might say that chapter 32 of Deuteronomy is sort of the highlight reel of what God has done to his people. And what God has done for his people. A highlight reel is just what it says. It's just moments. It's just a few seconds 
of highlights from perhaps we think of those more commonly in sporting events and things of that nature, a highlight reel where it's just an underlining reminder of some things that have happened in the past. And so if we look at Deuteronomy 32 and 10 again, but only considering the first portion of that verse, the Bible says he found him in a desert land and in a howl, in a waste howling wilderness. That's where the Lord found us. Amen. Just a reminder, not a word of condemnation, but just a reminder. God was reminding Israel where they were. Amen. And I will tell you that where they were, like you and I, where they were was nothing to be proud of. As a matter of fact, God went on to remind them how they were and we could also say that how we were when God found us was nothing to be proud of. I'm thankful that he found that he came where I was and I'm glad that he came to me in the condition I was in, aren't you? Amen. God reminded them, but then the Lord went looking for them. He went searching for them. They were adrift. He found them, the scripture says, in a desert with nothing to sustain them. He found them in a wilderness where they were dry, starving, parched. To say the least, they were vulnerable to the prey that howled in the night. And uh, the Lord said, that's where you were when I found you. I found you in this dry desert land and in a waste howling wilderness. That's where you were when I found you. But then, the, then it, he did look what he did after he found them. The Bible says in the latter portion of that same verse, he led them about, he instructed them, and he kept him as the apple of his eye. I, I, I believe I, I was going to say I don't know about you, but I believe I do know about you. I believe that we all admit that when the Lord found us, we were spiritually in a desert place. When the Lord found us, we were in that waste howling wilderness and I'm thankful that he didn't just see us and keep on riding. One writer said of the Lord, I saw thee when thou wast in thy blood. In other words, I saw thee in your worst condition, but he led him about, he instructed him, and he kept him, he preserved him, in other words, as the apple of his eye. The Lord is saying, I led you through the wilderness when you didn't know how to navigate on your own. I led you around those steep cliffs. I read I led you away from the hungry wolves. I instructed you so you would know how to walk. I kept you in the midst of all of that. I kept you as the apple of my eye. The Lord said to us, you meant more to me even in your sin than anything on the face of the earth. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When the world said there's no use, when the world said you ought to keep walking, when someone would think it's not worth the investment, it's not worth the time, he said, I, I took care of you because you were the most precious thing in this world to me. Amen. We, we should be reminded of two things today, and that is where we were when the Lord found us. And we should be reminded of how we were when the Lord found us. It's frightening when people forget where they were or how they were. I don't think we should live in the past. I don't think we should camp out as our old self, but I don't ever want to forget where the Lord brought me from. I don't want to just look in the mirror and say it's always been this way. 
I don't want to look in the reflection of God's word in my own heart and think that it's always been this way because I'm going to tell you when the Lord found us, we were in need of being found. When the Lord found us, we were nothing to be proud of and how the Lord found us for some that would all vary, of course, but it may have been a very embarrassing situation in the condition of our life, the condition of our mind, the condition of our world, but nevertheless, he stepped in where we were and he stepped in how we were and he said, I'll take that and I'll let that be the apple of my eye. Amen. I'm so thankful that he came looking for me. Deuteronomy 32 and 11, the Bible says, as the eagle stir up, up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. It was the Lord alone. Can I tell you today that it is the Lord alone that has brought us where we are. It was God that stirred us, and it was God that brought us where we are. As the children of Israel referring to them, in the most literal sense, they were slaves in Egypt. This was the only life they knew. They were working night and day to build cities and to do whatever Pharaoh decided they would do. And Pharaoh, in his heart of hearts, didn't care if they lived or didn't care if they died. Amen. I know you may not have ever been in Egypt and never been a literal slave under the hand of a Pharaoh, but I'm going to tell you if we can wake ourselves and acknowledge that how bound we were by sin and how locked we were in an Egypt and how bound we were by a spiritual Pharaoh, then I believe we can understand that the devil doesn't care if we live. He doesn't care if we die. It doesn't matter what the end result of the things he's trying to allure us with it doesn't matter the end result but the Lord said I came and I began to stir something up in your heart now here, here is a strange but factual uh, reality that we have to consider when we think about the children of Israel in bondage in, in, in many respects they were home as a matter of fact, even after they were delivered, some murmured and complained and would to God that we were back. We, we would to God we were back there and we would to God that we had the leeks and the onions and we wish that somehow we were there. Now we can't wrap our minds around that because we think who would not want to be free. But I'm going to tell you if we're not careful, we, have, we, we, will, we will fail to understand that God sent something our way. We may have been comfortable in our sin. We may have been comfortable not going to church and not worshiping the Lord. We may have been comfortable to some measure not having the baptism of the Holy Ghost or ever having been baptized in water with immersion in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. But aren't you thankful that God sent something your way to stir up your life, to stir up your world, to stir up your mind, to stir up your spirit? Hallelujah. I'm preaching to people today that, that the Lord woke them up in the middle of the night. They were just uncomfortable, just stirred. The Lord put a spirit of discomfort in them. The Lord just come along in our world and said, I'm gonna shake you until you move. Amen. The Bible talks about the plagues that came to, to, to Egypt. Amen. The Lord said, I'm gonna bring a plague. I'm gonna bring something there. I'm not just trying to get Pharaoh to let go of you, but I'm gonna use the plagues to get you to let go of Pharaoh. 
Is that all right? I'm not just going to bring a plague that left Pharaoh's hand off of you, but somehow I got to get your hand out of the hand of Pharaoh. We can think about it, that human nature. It was there in Lot's wife. Amen. There was deliverance at hand. She's at the threshold of being set free, but somehow, as I've said many, many times, that while an angel held her hand, Sodom and Gomorrah held her heart. And I say, Lord, I want to thank you for what you brought in my life to start me, to shake me, to wake me, to not only get the hand of the devil off of me but to get my hand and heart off of the world. Love not the the world nor the things that are in the world. I'm thankful today that there is a disdain in my heart and life for the things of the world. I don't want to just love God but I want to be like, I want to be like Job and we need to hate evil. I sent plagues. The Lord sent plagues to the children of Israel in Egypt. He taught them how to fight, how to live, how to walk. When they grew weary walking in the wilderness, amen, the Lord carried them. He sustained them. He said, when you're too weak to fly on your own, then I'll just help you. I've read reports many times through the years of eagles that fly with their young and how that they stir the nest to get the eaglets out of that nest because they, like us, would just like to stay right there. Well, who wouldn't want to just stay in the nest and let somebody else bring all the food, somebody else bring all the nutrition? All you got to do is just sleep and, and eat. But how they stir the nest and how they... Then as they shove them out or stir the nest, their eaglets begin to fly, that they fly with them to watch and instinctively know whenever they don't have the strength to go on. And at that moment, they swoop underneath them and carry their youngs on their back, not only so they can rest, but also so they can find safety. I believe I'm preaching to people that understand what it's like. Amen, to be flying along through life. And the Lord senses that we're not strong enough to keep going, that we don't have the perseverance in our heart to keep pressing on. And so he doesn't condemn us. He doesn't just wad us up and throw us away, but he, like the eagle swoops underneath us and said, I'll carry you when you can't carry yourself. I'm preaching to people that have been carried. Amen, I'm preaching to men and women that have been carried. When I didn't know the words to say, when my vocabulary failed me in prayer, when I didn't know what to do about a situation, the Lord said, we're not gonna lose ground. I'm gonna come underneath you. I'm gonna sustain you. I'm gonna lift you, hallelujah. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful today that he looks at the church and he calls us Jeshurun, the upright one, the upright one. I may have my back bowed against the wind of adversity, but he his presence and his power sweeps in to lift me and carry me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord said, I carried you when you were weak. When you couldn't make it on your own, I've been there for you. But the Lord said, but there's a day coming. You're going to be out of Egypt and, and you're going to be out of this wilderness. There's going to be a day coming that you're not going to have to have manna every day just to sustain you because there really is a promised land that I revealed to Abraham. No more meals of manna. No more suffering. No more water from a rock. Because once you get there, you're going to be feasting on the produce of the fields of that land. The Lord said that honey is going to flow like water. There's going to be honey coming out of the rock. 
allegorically speaking, there's going to be there's just going to be an overabundance. Whatever you need is going to be there. He blessed the land so much so that olive trees would grow right up out of the stony soil. He calls the most barren soil to produce in abundance. We've read about the grapes that were bore on the backs of men. He said, I'm going to bless this land. I'm going to honor this land. You're going to drink milk from the flock and you're going to eat You're going to eat the best of the lambs and you're going to have the fattest and the best of the fed rams in the country. You'll enjoy the finest wheat of the field. Amen. And you'll drink the finest wine of the vineyards. The vineyards have to yield. That's what I'll give you. The land that I'm giving you is going to be more beautiful and more plentiful than you can ever imagine. I'm going to give you this. The first, Deuter- the first portion of Deuteronomy 32 was looking back where God brought them from. But the second part of Deuteronomy 32 was looking forward to where God was taking them. He had been good to them in the wilderness. He had sustained them. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. He gave them exactly what they need. And then we come to verse 15 and Moses continues to prophesy. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxing fat. Thou art grown thick. Thou art covered with fatness. Then the scripture says, Then he forsook God which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. This was Moses' last song or this was Moses' last sermon, if we please, before he died. These words would ring in their ears and these words would break his heart because he knew something about human nature. Once you get to the promised land, you wouldn't need to wander through the wilderness then. You wouldn't have to rely on a cloud to lead you by day or fire by night or you're not going to have to rely on gathering up manna in the morning because whatever you need is going to be there. It's going to be there in abundance. But I know something about human nature. He said it's at that moment you're going to be tempted to forget God. And it's at that moment that you're going to be tempted to forget the God that brought you out. And you'll be tempted to keep looking that way and not looking behind you. He would reach for them, but they would reject God, not because they were bitter or not because they were in need, but they would reject them because they were arrogant and they had no need. I understand that you've heard me say this many, many times. No matter how many times it's said, it doesn't take away from the truth. But there are many people today, and please receive this in the context with with which I say it, There are many people today that don't feel the need of God. They're not bitter and indifferent. They're not jaded. They haven't been done wrong by the church or by the ministry somewhere along the line. They're not washed to ground somewhere. They just simply don't see the need of God because they have food in the pantry and clothes in the closet and cars in the garage. They have money in the bank. 
Hear me, hear me, hear me. They have everything they need. Why, why would I need God? There are people today that are in all manner of places besides a house of worship because it didn't even come on their radar. They didn't have to debate with themselves this morning whether or not they were going to church. They see no need of going to church because there's a sense of arrogance. They're rich and they're blessed. Amen, they're blessings. If you're not careful, blessings can become a curse because I'm gonna tell you this morning that whatever comes between you and God, you're going to be very foolish to call that a blessing. You're going to be very, very foolish to say God gave me this. If that is keeping you away from him, if that's keeping you away from praise and worship or even the house of God, don't call that a blessing. What that really is is a curse. It's a curse against you. It's a curse against your family. It's a curse against those that you could be an influence, an influential voice for. And so I'll tell you today, amen, you can't look at your bank account and say bless. You can't look in your carport and say bless. You can't look at your home and say bless. You can't look in your closet and say bless. What we really got to do is look at our relationship with God because what we may be calling a blessing, it may be a curse. Amen. I say, Lord, help me to be the upright one in a world that has gone awry, in a world that has lost its trajectory. Help me to remain to be the upright one. Help me to remain to be the upright one. Amen. Richly blessed. We are so blessed today. A beautiful house of worship to come to. Blessed this morning again as we are every time by just wonderful music, talented singers and musicians. We are blessed with great organizers and leaders and teachers and planners and, and we are blessed with our ministry team week in and week out who do their very best to bring messages that are prepared. They come to the pulpit with an anointed mind. They don't just break open a book and read us a lesson. They don't give us the, 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 the whimsical uh, ideas of their thoughts and their hearts. They're not jaded by just necessarily the headline of this morning's paper but they come with uh, to us amen with a ream of word from God we're a blessed church we are a very blessed church amen we are nourished we are well fed from the time we walk through the doors until the time we leave can I tell you we're not wandering through the wilderness anymore amen we are established in our community God has given us favor with people all around us I thank God for his blessings but here's what I wonder. I wonder if our blessings are not beginning to cause us to forget where the Lord has brought us from. I don't want to casually be late for church when I could have been on time. I don't want to casually just worship when I get here, when I need to realize I should enter in with praise and enter in with thanksgiving. I don't want to slide in here at 725 when I could have been here early to pray. I don't want to just slide in here just in time to connect myself when really I could have been here to plan and prepare. I say, Lord, thank you for this house. I say, thank Lord, thank you for this place. But Lord, help me not let all of my blessings become a curse. Don't let it become a curse. Don't let this, don't let these blessings, don't let these blessings become my curse. Amen. We have so many things available to us today. Oh my goodness. 
We have conferences for every demographic. Meet, I mean, real meetings. Not just roasting marshmallows. I'm talking about real spiritual meetings for men, for ladies, for every age group of our children. We've got all manner of things that are just within reach. I mean just within reach. It will be worth whatever sacrifice you have to make. Amen. But I do not want the blessings of God to become a curse. Amen. That those things are just something I take for granted. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm not alone when I tell you this. I remember when we didn't always have access to these things. I can remember when fellowship was few and far between when there was very very little going on but I'm thankful for where the Lord has brought us but now that God has brought us into a land that is flowing with milk and honey so to speak I don't want to start saying well Lord I don't know if I want to do that or not I don't know if that's going to be too much trouble that's going to be too far I'm going to get home too late are you kidding me amen Lord help us we need to remember when we were in the wilderness when we had nothing when we would have crawled when we would have given everything we had oh Lord don't let me get fat and increase with goods don't let me Lord reach the place where you don't mean everything to me anymore amen amen oh Lord help us today oh help me today I want to be I want to always maintain my love and my fervor for the power and I want my passion to never die and I know that it can happen because I've met too many people that have served God for decades and they're not bitter and indifferent wrong side out. No, they've got a greater love. They've got more bumps and bruises and scars than you can count. They've got more going on in their life that's upside down. But I say, Lord, help me to just hold on with everything I have. God, help me to give everything I have. Lord, I want to walk. I want to walk this narrow way. I want to walk it with faith. I want to walk it with confidence. I want to walk it with hope. And can I say, I want to walk it with joy. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm going to ask our musicians to come, if you will. It would be easy for us to think that as long as we read this in Scripture and this is the children of Israel and this is what happened to, to them, it would be easy for us to think this could never happen to us. But let me ask you something. I want to ask you a question that I don't want you to answer out loud. But if the temperature has to be a certain degree, if the song has to be a certain beat, if the message has to be a certain length, if the presentation has to be a certain way, if the altar call can't be too long, and the list could go on and on and on, if those things become our criteria, I ask you, are, are we already beginning to forget where God brought us from? I don't mind going, but now how long do you think this is going to last? I don't mind giving, but how much do you think this is going to cost? I don't mind working, but how much do you think this is going to take? 
And we're already forgetting where the Lord brought us from. Amen. If it's been a while since we thank the Lord for saving us, it's, it's a good day to do that. Today would be a great day to thank the Lord for his redemptive power because when I look around and I think how blessed I am, and I'm sure you feel the same, but when I think of how blessed I am, I have to do it often because it's not as a, not as a mandate, because, but it wells up in me. I have to just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for letting me live in this day. I thank you for the family I was raised in. I, I thank you for the truths that, that, that there were people around me that were just pointing me to the truth. I thank you for that, God. I, I know, and I am not alluding that anyone here has had the perfect life or the perfect anything. But if you had anything in your life that pointed you toward Calvary, that's probably why you're here today. And so to that end, I want to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. The Lord may have even used flawed vessels to point you where you are. But thank you for that flawed vessel because it helped me get here. It helped me find my way. Let's stand. I'm going to tell you that even those that Perhaps we're raised in close proximity to the church. May not have had a picturesque life. Maybe not. Some could be very scarred. So I'm not suggesting to you that there's a haves and the have nots. But whatever it took to put somebody in your path that could invite you and perhaps that's even why you're here today. Lord, I say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You, you may not even have realized when you got the job, you, you got that God was just placing you there so that you could cross paths with somebody that would bring you to him. <laughs> and sometimes we curse moments in our life, so to speak, but not realizing that God just has us there. I won't belabor the issue, but I'm going to tell you, I've had cars break down on the side of the interstate because I believed ultimately before it was over with, God needed me to witness to the man that was driving the AAA record truck. And so before you just start throwing your hands up in the air about everything that's going wrong, God may be just shifting and directing and Weaving, and so I need you to be right here because I need you to witness. A few weeks ago, my wife and I were in South Florida, and after church, we needed to go into a Walgreens, and so we just went there because we just left church. So we went to Walgreens on a Friday night, about quarter to 11. We looked about like this, we stood out, shall we say. <laughs> Shall we say? And it gave birth to a lot of questions. Where y'all been? What you been doing? I'm serious. Young man behind the counter. What you so dressed up for? 
My wife said, we've been to church. He said, where have you been to church? Thankfully, he, she, he just, she just pointed right out the window. She said, see that building right there across the street? Right there. And we're going to be back there tomorrow. And we're going to be back there Sunday. Won't you come join us? <laughs> see, we hadn't planned to be there. It was we forgot something. And we had to go over there. And now we gave that individual's name and contact to the, somebody in the church. So we, you, need to, you need to go check on them. Amen. You don't ever know. Don't curse the moment where you're standing. Amen. I was a sinner. He forgave me. I was empty and he filled me. We all had moments like that. Amen. Aren't you thankful that he touched us? Let's love the Lord. Can we do that? Hallelujah. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.